Hey, this is Ted from Death Angel, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Rob Caggiano from Anthrax, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. Turn it up immediately. All right, how's it going, everybody? This is the Signal to Noise podcast. Welcome to Episode 6, and I am your host, Aaron. On today's show, we are going to have a couple great interviews. We're going to talk to Rob Caggiano of the band Anthrax, and we're going to talk to Ted Aguilar of the band Death Angel. But before we get into those interviews, let's take a quick break and talk about some happenings in the audio tech world. So for our new segment today, I want to talk about SoundCloud. So SoundCloud, think of it as Facebook and Twitter combined, but for audio. Um, it's something I discovered by accident on the App Store on my iPhone the other day, and it's on the iPhone, it's on the Android OS, and of course you can do it from your computer, and um, it's pretty neat. Like, I've seen a couple major record labels on there, well, labels that I care about, like uh, Metal Blade, Century Media's on there, and they're putting up their back catalogs, they're putting up current catalogs, you can like tracks, it's a great way for bands to share tracks, and I've decided to start posting some of my segments to the... um, to SoundCloud, so you can check out those sort of things in little, little bites and, I don't know, maybe get some conversation going around them. So um, it's a really interesting thing, SoundCloud, and I think it'd be great for um, a young band, especially like a young touring band that's really trying to build their fan base. It'd be something really easy to grab your iPhone, sit down with a couple of the guys, work out a, t- a tune demo, throw it up there, and get fan reaction right away. So that's kind of neat. Now, next up, I have two different things from Antares Technologies. Uh, one is the auto-tune for iPhone, and the other one is an auto-tune for guitar. So let's talk about the auto-tune for iPhone. So apparently, uh, there's an app now, auto-tune for iPhone, so you can make live auto- live phone calls and be auto-tuned live on that call. So if you just had that desperate need to sound like T-Pain to everybody you talk to, you can do it. Um, I gotta say, I don't know how I feel about that app, but nonetheless, it sounds very interesting. Now, the next one is kind of a teaser. Antares put this up on their website. It's called the ATG6. It's auto-tune for guitar. And they say they're going to revolutionize the way that you can tune your guitar. Um, what I'm gleaning from this is I, is I read everything is... Um, it sounds like it's going to be a plug-in version of what uh, TC Electronics has done in a pedal. If you're familiar with the TC Electronic Polytune pedal... That's what ATGC, or I'm sorry, ATG6 sounds like it's going to be to me. They said, um, push a button, strum all your strings, and you're instantly going to be in tune. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I definitely want to see more, and I'll keep you guys updated as we go. And then my last piece of news today is uh, Martin. Martin Guitar, if you're a Martin owner out there, right now they're doing some installs direct to their factory uh, from $300 to $350 installed, they'll install uh, different Fishman pickup systems. There's two different ones to choose from. You can contact Martin for more information. Uh, that's martinguitar.com or even just mguitar.com. But I thought that was kind of interesting. It's not often that you see a manufacturer saying, hey, bring it up to the factory and we'll install this for you. Um, something I've been kicking around because I would love to get a pickup put into my Martin guitar and... I really, I think I would feel better if I had it done at the factory. I really think I would. So that is all for our news. Now let's get into our interviews. And this brings us to the interview portion of today's show. So we have two great interviews for you, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Anthrax just came through my town here um, just just the other night. And I had the opportunity to go down and meet with Rob Caggiano of Anthrax and also uh, Ted Aguilar of Death Angel. 
Um, two bands that I've been big fans of for a long time. Anthrax is right up there for me with Kiss. I'm a huge, huge Kiss fan, and Anthrax has been a close second to them for years. I followed Anthrax, you know, since since the 80s, all through the 90s, and now back with the latest record, Worship Music, which is probably one of the best records they've put out for me since Persistence of Time. Like, Persistence of Time, to me, was their master of puppets. I thought it was just a brilliant record. Some of the best writing that they had done collectively as a group, just such great songs. And, you know, the 90s ushered in a different era, still great music. Um, but, you know, bands go through their peaks, their valleys, that sort of thing. And I'm not going to say it was a valley, but it just wasn't persistence for me. And now, worship music, just a, a start-to-finish record. I can sit down, I can put it in, listen to it at the beginning, and just every song is something you want to sing along with. And boy, do they translate well live. So I had the opportunity to see them the other night and also sit down with both Rob and Ted. Um, and since my show here is called Signal to Noise, and we are all about um, what kind of goes into making the music um, that, that we all love, I want to make sure that we take a moment to recognize a couple people that helped make this possible. Um, one to my buddy John over at Iron City Rocks that helped set this up. But two other guys that probably don't get a lot of credit at all. Uh, one's Anthony, the tour manager for Anthrax, and the other one is Brady, the tour manager for uh, Death Angel. Tour managers, man, uh, they've got a heck of a job, and they got to keep a heck of a schedule, and they were both really, really gracious and really great to work with. So, Anthony and Brady, thank you so much for everything you did for me the other night. And, um, well, we're going to get into these interviews. Rob, this is a bit of a different interview that we did with him. I really wanted to talk to him more about his role as a producer because the more research I did about Rob, I found out that he's been producing a lot of records and a lot of great records that I've been aware of um, kind of behind the scenes. So we had the chance to sit down and talk to him about his production style um, and what was going on. So our first interview here is going to be with Ted, and Ted talks to us about the current Death Angel tour as well as some of his gear. So we'll get into Ted's interview, then we'll get into Rob's interview. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on our show today, we are with Ted Aguilar of Death Angel. How you doing, Ted? Doing all right. How you doing? How are you doing, everyone out there? <laughs> so, Ted, how's the tour going? The tour's been going good. I mean, it's uh, four weeks with Anthrax and Testament. It's just been amazing. It's the best tour we've been on in the States. I mean, we're all getting along with the bands. Yeah. I mean, it's not only a good tour for all three of us, but it's a good tour for all the thrash fans out there. Yeah. We've been talking to a lot of fans after the show and before the show, and they're just so stoked that these bands are together touring. I have to agree on that. That's you know? this, this is one of the most amazing lineups I've seen in a while. And in a while, and, you know, we've done some shows with Anthrax, you know, in festivals, yeah. you know, done some shows here, and a couple in the States, same with Testament. Yeah. And we always wanted to tour with both bands, but, it, you know, scheduling and whatnot, and it just, timing just happened to be great for everyone, so... It's it's been an amazing tour. I agree. An amazing tour. My my 18 year old self would have been very excited to attend the show. Let me tell you. Yeah. And uh, my now almost 40 year old self is insanely excited to attend the show tonight. That's good. We're getting people of all age range, a lot of generations. Yeah. You know, people like our age and people in their um, late 20s, early 30s, and going down to even like late teens, early 20s. Yeah. So it's good to see a, a 
not only the old school, but the new school kids who are into it. So let's talk about Death Angel here in the last 10 years. Yes. Because I was a fan back in the Frolic in the Park days. All right. Bored, one of my favorite songs. Act 3 came out. I think I saw that tour uh, here in Pittsburgh at City Limits a while ago. You wouldn't have been in the band yet. Yeah. But, but so, I did, I've been in the band 10 years. So let's talk okay. about the 10 years. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Right. So it was like almost 10 years that you guys were gone. Yeah. And then about 2001, you started back up. So what happened? What led to the reactivity of Death Angel? Um, well, when the band broke up in 90, it was done. It yeah. was uh, done for good. And, you know, just by having discussions with Rob and Mark, you know, having to hear stories and whatnot, they've been, you know, when the band broke up, you know, four of them went to form the organization. Yeah. And Mark did his own thing. He, you know, moved to New York and did some other stuff in life. But uh, they've the band's been asked quite a few times to reform to play festivals in Europe and whatnot, but they always refused. Yeah. I mean, their whole thing was like um, ended on a high note and kind of like respect the legacy and kind of leave it. Then this whole thrash of the Titans thing came about, where you know, you know, unfortunately Chuck from Chuck Billy was diagnosed with cancer and they held this benefit in San Francisco and uh, got a lot of the old school thrash bands, you know, forbidden, yeah, you know, violence, heathen, and Death Angel. So um, if the band was going to reform for something. It wasn't going to be for money or anything. It was going to be to help out a, uh, a Bay Area homie. Yeah. So the band did it for that show. And after that show, you know, everyone was jazzed to be on stage. And the, the fans were insane. You yeah. know, didn't realize how much, you know, people wanted to hear Death Angel. So, I mean, from there, it was just supposed to be that one-off show. And things started snowballing, you know. Let's, why don't you do a show here? Why don't you do a show there? And we did a... You know, then they, we got offered a tour in Europe with Testament. You yeah. know, like a, uh, a two-week run or something. Labels were coming out, and it just started snowballing from there. Like, all right, let's see if we could do this again. Yeah. So, here we are, three albums in after the reunion. And Relent or, or I'm sorry, Relentless Retribution is the newest record. Right? Yes, yes, it is. And um, so, look, can we talk about that record a little sure. bit? Because that's yeah. the first one I've gotten here in a while. And I apologize, I can't remember all the track names. I was just listening to the last couple of days. Um, really, really good record. And one thing that really struck me was the lyrics. So who's the main lyric writer? Mark. Is that his Mark? Mark? I okay. mean, uh, there's 12 songs, and uh, Mark wrote 9 out of the 12, and Rob wrote the other three. Okay. And the lyrics struck you. It's pretty deep, isn't it? it, it yeah, yeah. Because it, it, what's funny is, like, as I was reading them, it struck me like a combination of T.S. Eliot and Robert Frost. Okay. You know, very, very poetic. Like, like it would almost stand completely on its own aside from the music and then you add the music in and it becomes even more powerful yes yes that's you know that's one thing that's really good about this band I mean when the music is, is good it's great and Mark and Rob always do a great job of you know not only lyric writing but also writing melodies yeah and stuff so I think uh, it's I think it's the best work they've done yeah, a great album. Now, um, one of the songs features a very nice, clean guitar intro, like almost like a Spanish classical uh -huh. kind of influence. Um, who played that? Was that you? Was that Rob? It was actually Rodrigo y Gabriela. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell I me mean, more. Um, Rob's been a fan of them for a long time, and actually Rob introduced us to them. Okay. And great players. You know, we're like, wow, this is... Uh, beyond guitar playing. You yeah, know? some beautiful guitar work. Beautiful guitar work. And um, Rob wanted to go see him in Oakland. This was right when we were writing Relentless Retribution. And uh, Rob got a hold of Alex Skolnick, who knows them. And um, 
got their contact info and Rob actually contacted Rodrigo and lo and behold Rodrigo responded back dude I love Act 3 Act 3 is one of my favorite records yeah. blah 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 he's a huge Death Angel fan so uh, Rob went out to the show met him you know they got along great they, you know talk shop talk music and they kept in touch ever since and uh, Rodrigo jokingly threw out while we were recording hey when when are we gonna play on your record so Rob goes we'd love for you to play on you know gave him a couple of tracks yeah. check it out and from those two raw tracks uh, they recorded that piece and sent it over to Rob and Rob played it to us we were like holy shit that's yeah. really good so it's powerful I think they heard it they heard Claws in So Deep and Truth like and they kind of wrote to both songs so it was a connection you yeah. know what I mean so they wrote like the ending the Claws yeah. kind of like the beginning the truth or something it was great I mean we're, we're so excited they were able to do it you know yeah, great I mean, musicians great people and uh the piece they wrote was amazing. It works so well with the track. Yeah. It just and it really caught me as I'm listening to it. I'm like, whoa, what's this? Yeah, kind of breaks yeah. it up a little, yeah. but it flows really well. Yeah, it really does. Really well. Now you're an ESP player, right? Yes. So tell talk to us about your guitars a little bit. Like, what's your setup like? What do you what do you favor? The Eclipse model. Okay. Um, I've been with I do I played ESP in the not early '90s. I always liked their guitars. Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up in the thrash metal scene, Metallica played them, so yeah. I figured, you know, and I was. Actually, the first time I heard it, ESP was George Lynch. Yeah, you know, on the yeah me days. too. Me too. You yeah. know, you see that guitar, you go, "Whoa, that's a killer-looking guitar!" And then you see the ESP logo, that which looks killer. Yeah. Like, oh, so I've been following. Like, oh, okay, George Lynch uses ESP. Metallica, of course, they came out big metal band. You go, yeah. "Well, if it's good enough for them, it might be good." Yeah. So I started playing them, and you know, the durability is good. You know, I mean, a great company, they build great guitars, and you know. I bang them up on the road yeah. and they stay in tune and they sound good and they just feel good for me I mean a lot of people ask me you know what good guitars are out there I mean there's a lot of great guitars out there yeah. Jackson would be oh, one yeah. of them ESP Ibanez and you got the Paul Reed Smith and you got BC Rich but you gotta find one that suits you you yeah. know what feels good I mean ESP feels right for me and they sound good they feel good and they just sit well that's awesome and on the road I'm just playing uh, one of their mo it's an Eclipse I have yeah. a custom Eclipse which is all white oh, okay you know, one pickup configuration, one volume up. Nice, just nice. All white, and I and for the second one, I usually go through different, like a brown or red or black or whatever. And I have a two pickup configuration for that one for other songs, but my main one's the white custom clips. Nice. Now, are you using stock pickups or what are you putting in EMGs. there? EMGs. Just EMGs. EMG eighty one. Active or passive? Active. Active. Okay. Actives. You know. Very nice. They give it that that extra boost. Yeah, a little more bite, right? A little more bite more sizzle and cleaner it's right, a little well, bit quieter Deb we're going to let you get back to the show thank you so much for taking time to do the interview thank today. you very much Appreciate man it. thanks for having me all right, so ladies and gentlemen, on our show today, we are talking to Rob Caggiano of the band Anthrax, and we are backstage waiting for the show to start here. So, Rob, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. So, um, the new album, you were actually the producer on it, right? Yeah, correct. So, how does that... Well, I guess let's start at the beginning. So, what age did you get interested in music in general? Wow, I was... Uh, I, was, I got interested in music really at, a, at an early age. I'm, I think I was around five. I, wow. you know, my parents got me this little crazy mini guitar, and I would, you know, apparently I would like do shows and like play and sing and do this whole this whole thing. But you know, obviously I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And yeah. I couldn't really play. I was just you know messing around. But I I always loved you know performing, 
um, I think when I was nine, that's when I really started taking it seriously, and uh, um, that's when I heard, you know, bands like ACDC and Van Halen, and, you know, Eddie Van Halen definitely yeah. changed my whole world. <laughs> As he did a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you started playing with Boiler Room, I believe, it was like your big band in the, in the mid-90s, right? Yeah, it was uh, actually toward, it was like the late 90s. Okay. Yeah, it was like between, uh, I think it was 96 to around uh, 99, 2000. All right. Now, at what point in there did you start, I guess, learning to be a producer? Like, how did that come about from being a guitar player to producer? Well, I, I was always into recording. I was always very, you know, um, intrigued by, like, you know, gear and, yeah. you know, EQs and compressors and stuff like that. And I always, uh, always loved being around recording studios and that kind of thing. So I got into it, you know, kind of... Uh, I don't know. I just kind of started doing it. You know, when I was when I was younger, I would I would record my friends' bands and like the local bands, and okay. I was always experimenting and trying different things, and um, it just kind of escalated from there. And and you, you bring up Boiler Room, and um, I had recorded the demos that got us a record deal, you know, years ago, and that was kind of like the first real thing uh, that I had recorded, and you know, from there. It kind of uh, escalated even further, and and uh, yeah, just kept working, working with different bands. And uh, there was a band uh, from New York. There were there were friends of mine. Uh, they were originally called Hinge, and then they changed their name to Dry Kill Logic. And what happened with that was uh, I had met my friend Eddie Wool back back then. Uh, I, I did a guest vocal on a, on a Primer Fifty Five was the name of the band on, yeah. on their de- debut record. And my friend Eddie, Eddie was producing it at the time, and that's when I met him. Um, and we hit it off, and, and you know, we talked about working together, and, and so I brought this band, and uh, they were, like I said, called Hinge at the time. They changed the name to Dry Kill Logic, and Eddie and I just recorded a record for them on spec, you know, in our free time. Yeah. We took our, you know, took our time with it, and we had fun. And uh, at the end of the day, we had a full album, and we took it to Roadrunner Records, and they flipped over it and offered us a. Uh, like an imprint deal and nice. record deal for the yeah. band and like this whole thing and that really is what started me on on that path as far as you know as a career wow um and i've been doing it ever since i, I love you know i love i love working with different artists and different bands and getting sounds and all that yeah. shit it's just i love it it's killer so what was it like doing this record because the the worship music record it's probably my favorite record since persistence of time cool. and you have a lot of the old classic anthrax sound but it doesn't sound dated so how did you how did you come across like capturing that well one of the one of the things that we wanted to do with this record was uh you know even just you know from a production perspective we wanted to take it to uh the next level from where the last album was we've come for you all yeah um you know as far as sonically and how, how just how everything sat in the mix and you know the whole feeling and vibe of everything yeah. but with Joey Belladonna coming back to the band it really injected that classic anthrax sound okay into, into it and I think it was a perfect perfect mix perfect match and it's the best thing that could have possibly happened to this record and to this band yeah I love the you record know, he's, Joey sounds great and, and it's you know, the record took forever. We we had a, a you know a rough time. There was a lot of turbulence. Yeah. The lineup was not stable <laughs> when we started recording, and uh, um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much you know where we're at. With the, we, you know, we're very proud of the album, and you know, a lot of hard work went into it. Um, J- 
Jay Rustin, a friend of ours, who he actually mixed the album as well, but he he recorded Joey's vocals okay. and produced the vocals. Uh, so I wanted to add that in there. So yeah, fast forward, you know, a few few years later, that's yeah. just how it how it worked out. But yeah, it was it was a wild ride this record. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you were doing the guitar tracks, because one of the things I've always read about Anthrax to from mm-hmm. as a kid is that Scott always had a habit of layering himself tons and tons of time. Was that, was that something you guys did? Did you do a lot of guitar tracks on this one, or was it more more of like a raw couple-take sound? It's more of a raw couple-take sound. I mean, we, I mean, I've found, you know, just over the years, just trying different things in the studio, you know, I, of course I've done the whole layer, layer guitars a million yeah. times thing. Uh, but when, what ends up happening usually is, is they start canceling, canceling each other out and it doesn't really sound heavier; it just sounds mushier. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. For me, it's it, it's it just sounds heavier and tighter if it's just you know as far as rhythm guitars. Yeah. Hard left and right. Okay. You know, a double, just like that, and that just that just sounds like it rips through the speakers better for me. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes in the in the choruses, maybe we'll add, you know, something just underneath to kind of make it lift a little bit, yeah. beef it up a tiny bit. But you know, in general, it's not super super layered. Yeah. Now, um, were you? Did you guys do this record? Was this all digital, or would you do a throwback to analog? We were, we started on tape. We recorded okay. Uh, same thing I did on uh, on We've Come for You All. Actually, we uh, we recorded the the drums on tape. Yeah. Uh, bounced everything into Pro Tools. Did some editing. Comped you know the drum performances. Uh, from there, we bounced everything into my rig, which is I'm using Digital Performer, okay. Motu Performer, and uh, so the rest of the record was done in DP, okay. uh, in various studios, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it went down. So I'm curious, so why Digital Performer over some like Pro Tools? Uh, I've been using Digital Performer for for a really long time. I'm really comfortable with it. There's really no difference. Uh, you know, all the, all these programs at this stage of the game, they all do the same shit. They yeah. all do the same thing. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, you know, what you're comfortable with. I mean, they all look a little different. Um, for me, Performer works the best. I do use Pro Tools. Yeah. I just prefer to work mostly in DP because uh, I just like the editing. Yeah. You know, the control you have over the editing and all that stuff. It's just, it's a great program. It really is. Um, you know, for a number of reasons, but also, you know, one of the things that really got me started with DP versus Pro Tools was, you know, back back then, a few years ago, well, maybe you know, like ten years ago, whatever. Um, Pro Tools, you, the, the way you, the way they had it set up was you had to be locked into their hardware, and uh, for yeah. you know, a crazy Pro Tools rig, you had to spend crazy money. <laughs> yeah, those were expensive back in the day. Yeah, so I mean, now now they have Pro Tools where it's you know, you can run it native and. You yeah. could use whatever converters and interface you want. Um, so for me, I, I started with DP and I built my own my own uh, rig. And to me, it's it's it just gave me more flexibility. I'm using uh, this interface called the Metric Halo ULN8 these days. Okay, I think I've heard of that. I don't, I don't yeah, recall it's a that. small small company in, okay. in upstate New York. They're making amazing stuff, and it's the box is just incredible. Like the converters are amazing. So. Nice. That rig that I have sounds it sounds really good. I'm, I'm excited about. Now, it. do you have a producer's secret weapon kind of plug-in that, that you reach for? Like, like, do you have a plug-in collection that you like, or you just kind of use stock within DP? I don't. When I'm producing, when I'm recording an album, I don't really use plugins at all. To be okay. honest, um, plugins for me come in if I'm going to mix something. You know what I mean? Um, 
that's when I'll start getting. I'm actually mixing uh, this band right now, uh, this black metal band called Godseed, which okay. is they used to be called Gorgoroth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a satanic black metal band. But um, anyway, yeah. so I'm I'm mixing that record right now, and I'm, I'm using you know quite a bit of you know the, the plugins and uh, the Stephen Slate Trigger plugin. I'm using a lot. Uh, I'm using his uh, his tube console plugin. I'm using this thing called uh, the Glue, um, which is kind of like a stereo bus mix compressor. Um, and of course, you know DP comes with you know a ton of stock plugins like yeah. EQs and compressors and reverbs and stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, when I'm when I'm tracking, I don't really use any plugins. It, huh. I, I, and I, I t- tend to use very very little EQ also. Okay. I like to get the uh, the sounds as, as close. To uh, what's the right way to put it? In other words, if I'm if I have a drummer and you know rocking out a drum beat and, and the snare is not sounding right, I'd rather move the microphone and tune the drum rather than throw it through fucking you know all these crazy yeah. boxes and because you know it the sound it, it's like you, you got to get the source right. When, if the source isn't right, then you know no matter what you do, it's going to be slightly weird. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So like my tracks usually when when it comes to the mix stage, it's kind of like. It's it's ready to go. You know what I mean. It's just a matter of which which direction you want to take it because the, the sounds the, the source you know tracks are really really good. All so. right. Now, last question. We'll let you get back to relaxing, um, at least before the show. <laughs> but um, so you when you start recording, you would have kind of been coming in right at the beginning of digital, mm-hmm. right at the beginning of digital, and then um, kind of moving from analog into digital. So did you do much with analog, and what which do you kind of prefer? You know, I like I like analog uh, for for different reasons. I like digital for different reasons. Um, it's whatever works, whatever works for the project and the, and the band and and what you know the sound you're going for. Really, you know, um, I love analog tape. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; it, it sounds it sounds amazing for rock and roll. It just I agree. does. Um, but so does so does the digital stuff too. You know, it depends on how you're using it and what you're doing with it. And you know, there's a, a a record I just did my other band the damn things and we did a similar thing we did the drums to tape and transferred everything to digital but there was one box that, that I, I found at the studio it was like sitting in the corner of the, of the room and ended up you know turning it on and, and we, <laughs> I used it on literally everything it just was a killer but it's uh, the Rupert Neve uh, tape saturator yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Portico and uh matter with you and uh, it just gave it that it actually had a, a tape head in the, in the box so it just gave it that that analog sound and I ran every literally everything through it that's awesome so, yeah it just depends on what you're doing with, with stuff okay. what you're going for alright well hey Rob thanks for taking time before the show I appreciate no it no worries man thanks. you got it and we are back so I hope you enjoyed those interviews I can tell you the one thing that really stuck out with me being somebody who, who records in my home studio is when Rob and I were talking and he said, you got to get it right at the source. He was actually the second time I had heard that that week. And um, that's something I'm really going to put a lot more focus on now after getting a chance to sit down and talk to Rob about how he approaches uh, production. So um, as always, guys, you can check us out on the web at signal2noise.fm, facebook.com slash sgnl, the number 2NZ, twitter.com, sgnl, the number 2 and NZ, And also, and please don't forget, 
the cast iron ring the cast iron ring uh cast ring.com we've got radioactive metal focus on metal iron city rocks uh yours truly signal to noise and hopefully a new podcast to debut for you guys oh and man if you guys uh remember my last episode episode five i was talking about radioactive metal um, wow. So they did that episode on the revolvers, hottest chicks in hard rock or hardest chicks in metal or whatever the, the issue was. You want to talk about entertaining, go find that episode, download it now. Oh my goodness. I had to pull over the car. I was listening to it on my way to work. And when Snowy said, Hey, we're not curing cancer here. That was it. That was it. I was done. I've just got to say it was it, my hats off to those guys. That was a hysterical episode. It was so much fun. They were so entertaining. Uh, definitely check that out, as well as all the great things that we have to offer on the Cast Iron Ring. Uh, make sure you're checking that out. So, guys, until next time, make some noise. <laughs>